Welcome to the annual Pulitzer Golden Globe Bafta Noble Podcast Convention Awards Ceremony. Saved your life? Oh, thank you so much. It means a lot. Cured your illness? Oh, wow. Our episode on Halloween? Jeez, I'm moved. Man, this is incredible. They love us. We did it. We really did it. I'd walk around more, but man, these trophies are heavy. Look out, ladies. That experimental dick implant was a raging success. <laughs> uh, no. It was a dream. My window. <laughs> and now for the weather report. It's fucking cold, Terry. Again, that's Brian and Nick. If you see them, do not approach. Every officer that has tried to detain them has been verbally assaulted and bored into a coma. Few have woken up. Those who have, have lost their desire to live. Podcast for the Black Lagoon has been labeled by the president as a weapon of mass destruction. Apprehend these criminals as soon as... It was all just a dream. Goodbye, cruel world. Fuck you, Platinum Dunes. Nick? No, no, Nick, no, Nick, no, Nick, Nick, Nick. Oh. Oh no. No, that was also a dream. Can it get worse? So he tells me this problem, and I say, well, have you thought about the crawl space, Mr. Gason? Oh, God forbid the weatherman's got an opinion. Ask me about the ghost. Why is he on the air? Scientists are baffled. The military's on alert. For the first time in history, roads have become weapons. No. It's unclear how many have been killed, but local podcasters Nick and Brian oh have my faced God. a significant portion of the United States and beyond. Like so many of the no. world's greatest tragedies, mass pain and suffering has been caused by two white men who said they meant well. Here are their pictures. Let's zoom in a bit more. We could only find their middle school yearbook photos. Oh no. Oh no. What the fuck? Okay, yeah, no, this bit is getting out of hand. Hey, Brian! Yeah. Ow. Trust me, it's mercy. Welcome to another episode of the new and improved podcast from the Black Lagoon. Where we metaphorically slice and dice our way through horror films of old and new. I'm Jonathan. But by the end of this episode, you'll find out my name is actually Brian, a fame-hungry new kid on the block who has been sent into a miserable psychotic stupor after my ex-lover left me and got the job of my dreams. And as a result, I'm currently reimagining the happenings of my life uh, before I take a revolver out of my bedside table and do the only thing that makes sense anymore. And I am Bianca, but at the end of this episode, <laughs> I am actually a two-time cheating <laughs> whore who breaks the hearts of others and makes them feel jealous. Did I'm you actually do the same? Did you plan that? Or did no. you just kind of roll in smoothly the, after? Okay. I was in a weird on it. All right. Before we take off on my either accurate or inaccurate synopsis. Oh, no. Of the film, like a metaphorical rabbit dog on the prowl through the streets of London, we have a guest amongst us. It's me. Hello. I'm George. But <laughs> by the end, well, that is my real name, but... <laughs> My uh, Hollywood dream version is Gregory Schmimbledorf. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to be here, guys. 
No, we're glad yeah, to have I'm, you on, man. Uh, fellow horror podcaster. Do you want to do a quick pre-show plug to make sure everybody knows sure. what you're uh, all about? Uh, so, hi. <laughs> Famously. That's, Thanks, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Check out uh, our merch store. <laughs> Uh, so my podcast is the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. Mm -hmm. And basically the idea is um, I am completely hands off in the uh, decision making process about what movie we're going to cover. Uh, I leave it entirely up to the guest and whatever movie they pick as the best horror movie ever made, whatever that means to them. I agree. That's also my pick <laughs> of the best horror movie ever made. So, and so I don't mean to cut you off. Good, sir. Sure. But I have I have to question this. Uh, what would happen if they were to pick something like I oh, I don't know, uh, like a wet dream on Elm Street? I mean, I would probably ask them to defend it to me first. That's <laughs> the best horror movie ever made. Um, what Nick but, is really asking is, can he come on your show? He has a movie he really likes. <laughs> uh, we'll I love talk how, about it. We can talk about it. I love how we've been friends for so long that you can just read my fucking mind. I have that uh, that feeling of needing to defend movies for myself because mm. I have like an internal conflict of, I love this movie. And then there's another part of me, a gremlin <laughs> part of me that's like, yes, but it's, it is complete utter garbage. It is fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't get me wrong. I, I have definitely been there. Uh, you know, I exist on Twitter <laughs> and <laughs> I like, a lot of shitty movies. I, I can curse on here, right? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. oh fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I watch a lot of shit. You know, I B movies are some of my favorites. And so there are plenty of times where I feel like I have to defend a movie. But um, it's just nice to have a place to sort of get away from that um, because it is so, I feel like, very prevalent uh, in sort of media criticism right now. Um, and not even criticism, just sort of hearing from the masses on social media and everything. Uh, things are very combative, and um, it's, it's just ridiculous. nice to get away from that. It, it's yeah. very ridiculous to see, like, oh, this movie. Like, I, I don't think that uh, the stuff that we're getting um, right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though, is that it really is whatever they pick. There are movies that I uh, don't really like very much that have been picked. And, you know, I I fake it for the duration of the show. And we talk about um, where the movie sort of exists in cultural context, uh, our guests' history with horror. And then we go through the movie itself, sort of breaking down what we like about it before summing up why it's the best ever hmm. made. So it's a lot of fun. And I it's love a, it, man. It's a cool show. I, I've enjoyed listening to the episodes uh, preparing you. for this. It's a super yeah. cool idea. Yeah, really it's fun. really nice because um, so often everyone is looking for a fight on movies and <laughs> to just have somewhere where you come to it with the tacit agreement of like, yes, we're both going to be positive about this thing and like it. Um, it just, it creates a, a really sort of fun environment because you don't have to worry about, soft selling your enjoyment of of the movie right. e even if it has flaws you're allowed to celebrate them instead of having to feel like you need to defend them um so it's just really nice and i've gotten to find movies that i probably wouldn't have watched um by guests suggesting them to me so uh, it's been a real win-win yeah i love it man that's cool yeah is really that good compared to like b movies of the 80s those are a lot better than what we're getting now Mm -hmm. So I, 
I mean, I I have nothing else to say on that matter. <laughs> I mean, hey, uh, I think that you might be right. I think that there's an edge of cynicism uh, to a lot of the ones that come out today that I think is a negative. A lot of what made a B movie a B movie in the '80s um, is the execution. Uh, not the concept it's usually because they have a fun idea and people are trying um, but they just didn't have the budget to to stretch through the set design or the production or whatever right. and you know it's laughing at that stuff but still enjoying um, the passion behind it you know pe- any movie that gets made is like a friggin' miracle it's so hard to <laughs> get everyone together to make a movie um, and it just is. I agree that it's a shame when you see something like uh, Sharktopus. That's it's so <laughs> blatant in its attempt to just sort of cash in on that and be the next biggest thing, as opposed to feeling like a like a a smaller movie that's uh, really going for it and just kind of misses a big swing, like a lot of the '80s B movies did. Right. Right. Um... Speaking of modern horror movies, uh, what, what did you think about Halloween 2018? I liked it. I did not love it. I, I, I think that it's certainly one of the better ones we've gotten in oh, a long time. For sure. But I think that um, in terms of how it handles the character of, of Lori, I like where they went in H2O more mm-hmm. than I like where they went in in Halloween 2018. Um, I think that that sort of uh, expression of her trauma in this sort of like hyper paranoid in a like fearful way is more cohesive with her character from the first one. Um, And that sort of like turn towards alcoholism uh, that we see in H2O and, and pushing away um, strangers while holding her son really tight. Um, You know, it sort of feels out of character from the Laurie Strode in the first movie that she became this like prepper. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm willing to go along with it. I, I, you know, it's, it's certainly a fun movie. I think that um, maybe it didn't need to erase all these years of Halloween history, <laughs> but who am I to say, you know, I, I had a nice time at the movies. So <laughs> what more can you really ask for? <laughs> I'm actually really excited for Halloween Kills. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see how they follow it up for sure. Yeah, now, I think I've, they're in they're in a good spot to really explore now. So I'm hopeful that they can uh, succeed. That they can that they use this to hit the ground running. Fingers are crossed. <laughs> Ball holes clenched. Okay, so I guess I it's do not time. envy you, but it is time for your synopsis of this movie. <laughs> Be prepared. How did that go, <laughs> dude? I. So when I was rewatching this, I was like, okay, I'm going to write myself like a little cheat sheet yep. <laughs> of, of like what all of the metaphors are mm. and what they all mean. And by the end, I had 15, uh, 1500 words. <laughs> and it's like, this is not a cheat sheet. This is just an essay. Now oh, man. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you aboard because Nick and I, we both watched this for the first time and we're still oh, like man. digesting it. Uh, oh, wow. I, I, well, Nick, if I can speak for you, I assume that you're in the same boat as I am where it's like, this was uh, a new film for us. I've been meaning to watch it for a, a long time. But, wow. Do you, yeah. have you guys watched much other Lynch or was, is this sort of your first foray into him I in general? This yeah, is my this first, is... this is my, like my cherry has been wow. popped. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Oh, I'm so excited to hear what you <laughs> thought about Lynch it. Lynch popping. 
Yeah. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> Merch store. <laughs> All right. It's time for my inaccurate or accurate synopsis. I'll never tell. Uh, okay. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about Mulholland Drive, where in LA there's more than meets the eye. A girl with dreams of becoming a movie star crosses paths with a woman who has been struck with the case of the cliches. But not everything is what it seems to be. Oh, boy. For this is a David Lynch film, which means some of us have no idea what the fuck is going on. (laughs) Side note, store brand Johnny Knoxville gets threatened by a cowboy. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Now that tracks wow. that last part. Uh, pretty to accurate. Justin Thoreau. <laughs> he dated uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston. You're going to call him discount Johnny Knoxville. Oh my he God. Will. He Jennifer, will do it proudly. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston is like a babe. And she, yeah. but yeah, off brand Johnny Knoxville. That's the first <laughs> thing that came to mind. And I am wow. not apologizing for it. Wow. Rip. I understand though. He does. Press- he does have a similar vibe. Press F, press F in the in the comments, people. In the chat, yeah. Let's see it. I don't feel comfortable sending our listeners into this film with that synopsis. <laughs> so I have prepared to my best ability my attempt at breaking this movie down into cohesive pieces. And it's yeah, I was so shocked to have. This is one of those movies you watch it for the first time, and I'll save some of this for the guts of the film, maybe our next section, but. It, I had such a struggle with myself about if it was a good movie. And then when I realized, oh, it, it is. And I realized why I was questioning that to begin with. The films just started explaining itself. Mm-hmm. And then in like the hour after I watched it, it all started falling together for me. Yeah. And I know that if I watch it a second and third time, it is going to click in deeper levels. There's so many elusive things in this film that aren't obviously connected until you kind of run through it and um i look forward to maybe synthesizing my views on this film more in the future but as of right now i watched it the night before we were recording and i'm just like (laughs) okay i'm glad you planned for this one george hot off the presses (laughs) yeah (laughs) i look forward to uh seeing what you're bringing to the table here because we are both ready to be enlightened wow Um, well i mean even just based off what you said i think that that's so great because lynch's whole perspective on art is that He creates this thing with a whole bunch of possibilities. Mm. But the reason that he doesn't explain, he never, ever explains what anything is about, quote unquote, because Mm -hmm. he says that the minute he says what it is or what it means, that's it. It's shrunk down. All those possibilities are gone. And you've ripped that away from the audience members who felt one way or another. And he likes his, his work to have more freedom to exist than that. And this way we all get to have different interpretations and think it out and feel like detectives ourselves, you know, the same way that the characters do. I love that. I love that because I have Nick, I've I've said this on our show multiple times. It's so hard for me to hate a movie in the beginning of it. Mm. It's hard for me to hate a movie in general. It's hard for me to to think a movie didn't um, fully live up to what it could in the beginning of a film because it's that possibility, it's that huge scope that it could go in any direction where your head kind of takes over and you're trying to figure out where things are headed. And to me, a great movie is a film that lives up to my expectations of the scope I thought it should end up hitting, The Thing, Alien. These are films that by the time they're done, I'm like, oh, they did it. They, yeah. they took what I thought should happen and made it so much better and <laughs> like schooled me in my own head. And I ended up loving the movie. Right. And this is the type of film... God, we should move to the guts of the film before I before I 
Nick, do you have anything else you need to wrap up before I just give away all of my points? <laughs> oh no, he's um, broken. This is what the movie did to me. I'm giving no. you a visual <laughs> interpretation of what happened to me after I finished the film. From beginning to finish, I'm sitting there trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And then I... Let's get to the guts of the film. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Here's my really unfair, obviously reductionist approach to this movie by the end of it. Okay, this is totally not real in any sense, but this is the best I could do to orient myself and try to orient the listeners and it might generate conversation. Sure. Okay. Diane won a dance competition. That's what we saw at the beginning of the film. She right. went to Hollywood with big dreams of being successful, but her lover, Camilla, 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 something like Camilla. that. Camilla outperforms her and gets a role that she wanted. Diana then snaps when she figures out that Camilla and Adam, the director of the film of the role that she wanted, got married or were getting married. Diana tries to have her killed. I don't know if it was successful. Then she becomes so guilty and miserable that she enters like a trance-like state that's kind of prefaced in that scene sweeping up the bed at the beginning of the film. Brilliant choice. And we, she, we end up watching what she thinks could have happened if she came to Hollywood. And then I question life and its meaning and <laughs> my sanity because that's the majority of the movie we watched wasn't that, right? And it's right. once oh, it clicks, it. <laughs> like once it clicks and you kind of are like, could that be, am I insane? Then it's like all of the parts of the movie that I wrote notes on about, I have minor critiques here. It's like, no, it, it doesn't only work, it improves the movie. There are elements of this film that I, for a moment, thought were objectively shitty moments. <laughs> and then when I realized his angle, I was like, that's way more brilliant than I could have even imagined. Yeah. And I just was like, okay, this is the film I'm going to rewatch many times and kind of slowly evolve my own understanding of what it was. But that doesn't mean the process of watching it wasn't painful and tedious until it clicked. <laughs> until that moment, I was like, this is a ride I'm along for. I'm loving it. But how am I going to do an episode on this? Right. No, for <laughs> sure. I think that's really understandable. And um, I think that you're really right on the money. And I wrote down this other quote from Lynch where he said, quote, uh, great cinema tells a story but goes deep into the psyche and these undercurrents are caught on deeper levels. And I mm -hmm. think that Mulholland, uh, Mulholland Drive is doing that incredibly well because there's this story that is happening on the surface that we get to follow along with and puzzle out because it is told in this surreal time jumping uh, manner, but it also exists as this like sprawling metaphor mm -hmm. of, and like critique of Hollywood in, a, in and of itself and like the casting couch process mm -hmm. and, and like there's just so much there to dig into. And so the fact that the first time you watch it, you're so concerned with just figuring out the plot beats that when you go back to rewatch it and you're less concerned with just piecing it together, that's when you start to get these these real deep undercurrents that he's mm -hmm. talking about that you feel the vibe of them the whole way through you know you you sort of get the implication that oh maybe she slept with the director and that's how she got the role and and, and all of this stuff about how um 
there's this seedy underbelly of Hollywood that isn't what we see. You know, it exists in this story, but also the story itself is a criticism of this thing that it's portraying. Um, and basically every single thing exists on more than one level in a way that is also represented in the movie. You know, there, yeah. the way that Betty equals Diane, um, <laughs> so too does the character of Diane have a greater representation of people with Hollywood dreams. And, you know, there it's just, there's so many character levels to each thing that it just really blows me away and does really invite you back to watch over and over and over. Right. I mean, even as you're talking the, this, you know, hardly working part of my brain is like, kind of like, Oh wait, could that have been that? Could this have been that? Like I'm kind of <laughs> tying little knots together as you're, as you're speaking. Yeah. I don't doubt watching this film a second time would be a monumental uh -huh. thing where it all just kind of falls into scope. And I, I kind of get it. Yeah. And for me, the key kind of like this perfect little point of elaboration for the whole film was figuring out that it isn't a weird story about like the mob or like some <laughs> group of people trying to kill somebody and she's running away and she forgot everything. It's like, no, it's, you realize by the end of it or maybe hours after the end of it, um, that the film is so much more intrusive and, and psychoanalytical than that. Like yeah. th th there's an element of it. That's like, you think you're watching something that's fake. Once you think you kind of get the angle the film's on, it's like, Oh, I just watched a lot of fake stuff. And then I saw the real thing. And I, now I, now I get the movie <laughs> and that isn't it. When you watch the fake stuff, you are getting actual truths about the film. You just don't know. You just don't know it until right. you're like, hold on. I'm figuring out this story. Right. I'm figuring out new elements of it by watching this like purely in subtext. Like how does a film or, or a filmmaker or a writer, Lynch wrote it too, find out how to speak truth just in subtext without telling you. It's like what great authors do. Like you're getting this information out of them, but they're yeah. not really explicitly saying it. And it's such a masterful thing to do that for an hour and a half. And then to like, like transition into this entirely new film after that. Right. It's a shocking <laughs> thing. I, I ended up really loving it. So um, I have please. to, yeah, I, I have to like cut in here. Uh, me personally, I don't necessarily like films that make, make you think on a, um, I guess, structural level I, mm -hmm. i'm what people would call a uh neanderthal of horror and <laughs> um because i i, Traditionalist, I like, we say <laughs> i like i like old school 70s 80s slasher films you know me me, me see naked lady naked lady get stabbed me get happy um <laughs> but when i was watching this movie for the first time I'm sitting there trying to figure out what's going on, trying to put pieces together, trying to figure out the characters, their motivations. Um, what, what, what's the entire goal here? And uh, surprisingly, I, I ended up really liking this film. Not, not just like, Yay. <laughs> uh, like I love this undertone of horror. It's not a full-on horror movie, but there's undertones of horror. There's undertones of comedy, uh, yeah. drama, and um, like a mystery to to unravel, mm -hmm. like a fucking sick, twisted, demented birthday present 
<laughs> and I, I, I was sitting there towards the beginning of the movie. I, I saw that all these weird things were happening and I, uh, I, I, I questioned myself as to what, so what's really going on? I, I thought that, uh, oh, this, this might be a social commentary on the, the higher ups, the, the high class Hollywood um, corporate scum of the world sure. controlling everything. I thought that that would be a good idea for a horror movie. And it kind of just does like a 180, then it does a 180 again. And <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And normally I, I don't like films like that, but for some reason this caught my attention and made me feel made me feel something and yeah. uh i guess i guess we can say that neander Neander neanderthal nick is is growing me, <laughs> me, me, me like david lynch wow. <laughs> me me think that me not so Aww. dumb after all <laughs> you're not dumb nick I, but i had to i had to like after the movie I, I i just couldn't put it together um i i did see like the cowboy when when um <laughs> diane and everything was coming together i they were at the uh the dining room yeah he's and in I the saw, back yeah i saw him in the background I'm like oh there he is <laughs> but i'm trying to put these pieces together of who diane is Oh man! Like, is she a schizophrenic? Is I, what, I like don't want to take it away. I, I uh-huh. <laughs> but it's it's like um, I look. I shouldn't have looked it up on YouTube, but <laughs> what what Brian was saying about how like the, the the first half isn't real, and then like she hires a hitman and and all this. Uh, it's 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 a fun ride, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, and it really it's, it's it like great. you you do have that feeling of of like I'm inclined to say the first half wasn't real, but you realize what you thought was an inauthentic experience that you were watching a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. You realize that it's really telling, like yeah. you're, you're really being delivered important information. And Nick, the fact that you watched this movie felt like a Neanderthal, which is not true, but you you felt like it at the end of the film, but you still got this feeling that it might be about Hollywood elite. <laughs> fucking subtext man it's so, that's incredible uh, it's like you so were well watching done. this and you're just like you kind of like you did get an essential part of it yeah and i think that um what's great about this movie is that and the reason that maybe uh you know correct me if i'm wrong the reason that sometimes i'm not into these movies that are so interested in delivering a metaphor or whatever is because they get lost in the execution it becomes more about the message right and it becomes about making a good movie and i think that with this movie david lynch is still able to deliver an incredible incredible movie on the screen in addition to in the pages of the script you know it's not Mm -hmm. it's not just about the message it is a great movie as well to watch there are exciting scary moments you know there are uh great moments of drama and romance and and it's sexy and there's so there's so much great stuff in it naomi watts is putting Uh, in an incredible performance not once but twice over Uh (laughs) uh-huh i i felt so Un, like uh cruel because at the beginning of this film i was like i don't i'm not buying this and then <laughs> by the end of it i'm like 
this was intentional. She's incredible. Like, <laughs> how did you do that? Yeah, there were moments near the beginning so where I'm like, that it's was sort of like objectively sort of a superficial like, uh, line delivery. And then you realize that she's holding back and you see when she doesn't. Yeah. And it's this little epiphany. Right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something yeah. like when, when she just gets off the plane and uh, right. uh, it's so great. Oh. Yeah, the the whole line del- delivery kind of gives a feel of B movie territory. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I kind of like this. <laughs> it's it's kind of like old school Resident Evil, where it's like, oh, what's this? <laughs> it, oh, it's blood. <laughs> I hope it's not Chris's blood. Oh, you were almost turned into a Jill sandwich. Right. So right, what an um, exposition kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I, I so I have some. Oh, I. Why, why well, the really, fuck? really quick before you move on, if I could really quickly um, throw this in. While we're talking about that first part, that scene, that line delivery that did almost feel like dubbed over to be peppier. And it felt yeah. so art- <laughs> like, like artificial and just kind of pushed in there. It reminded me of 100% of the movie um, Killing of a Sacred Deer, yeah. where they were very consciously being absurd. Like they'd just be at the dinner table and this kid they just met was like, I don't have much body hair. And the dad's like, I do. And he says, could you show me? And he just stands up and takes his clothes off and is like, you see, I'm growing here and here and here. And it's like, there's this, there's this acceptance of how absurd the film is and a self-awareness that's really jarring. And I feel there are elements of killing of a sacred deer that I thought, like you were saying before, were too focused on delivering. Wouldn't it be cool if we made a movie like this? And the execution felt a bit off for me, but this film does that to such a perfect extent that it didn't feel like somebody was, trying too hard mm-hmm. it felt like someone was just taking me for a ride and i didn't even know it like yeah. it was that level of master it was like i didn't i i doubted you no more <laughs> I, I no longer right see and i i think that that moment in particular really sort of encapsulates a lot of the movie in that once you understand that that is sort of a phony on purpose performance you understand mm. that oh this whole thing is sort of representative of how everything is filtered through our collective understanding of Hollywood, because, you know, I haven't ever been to Hollywood. And so all my entire understanding of the glitz and the glam and celebrities and everything is through media portrayals of that. It's like a propaganda arm. And so this portrayal of Hollywood as this beautiful, wonderful thing, um, ignores the reality of the the of the fact that there is this underbelly it's a city like any other there are people who live in poverty there is this uh not so secret secret of the uh abuses and everything that go on in hollywood and there is sort of this movie magic Hmm. that the movie that this movie is exploring and its role in sort of covering things up and you know this industry is perhaps even worse than many others because it does sort of beget so much abuse and anger Mm -hmm. and regret as we see in the character of diane but it's just when you compare the moment of her stepping off the plane to the where diane ends up at the end of the movie like they just stand in such stark contrast that you can't help but start to draw these parallels. And I think that that moment is really what sort of seals the deal in terms of being able to start piecing things together. Man, I, 
I'm still like, my brain is still like, wait, is that what the, what the homeless guy was? And like, I'm still doing all these little things when I'm hearing you talk about this. Yeah. Wink, you're right on though, because Winky's the restaurant, it like that represents Hollywood. And he, like the guy comes in and he talks about how he had this dream of Hollywood and, you know, there's this guy in the back and he goes and, and he sees this happen and and it shocks him out of it. it. It's, everything sort of hinges from that realization of the, the sort of faux nature of uh, the delivery and what it represents. Hmm. And uh, I I just think that it's so important. And and for Naomi Watts to, I think really understand that and help David Lynch sort of get this movie off the ground. I think it really lives and dies on her shoulders uh, and, and she knocks it out of the park. I would also like to uh, say rest in peace to the Winkies building. It is no yeah, longer no. there. Yeah, yeah, the they they tore it down, including the wall that the the monster comes. Shame. Uh, yeah, such a shame. But um, I have to say, this is a very 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 silly comment. But as I was watching this um, the scene that was unfolding upon my eyes, <laughs> the the scene where. Uh, Diane is auditioning for a role with that older gentleman. I I don't know why my brain goes to this, but I asked myself, what what if this turned into a hardcore porn all of a sudden? Just like <laughs> it, it goes from like being very serious to just oh yeah. Can I well, oh, let me <laughs> I I am going to say, I know you're having a Nick moment, but I'm going to tell you why that's a verifiable, like that's a good thing. I feel like there's so much to say about the fact that you walked into that scene and you felt that energy. That felt like such an important moment for her character. Yeah, with the way we that- realized that she isn't going to be like this person who's going to be victimized in this mm-hmm. sequence. She is going to be playing into it and like leverage that nasty part of the business to get her way. It was such a self-confident like masterful thing to do and it's cool to me that you were watching that and you're like wouldn't it be crazy if they it's like yeah that's kind of the point like she's using that sexuality that charge in the room especially compared to when she's practicing the lines um yes with uh oh that's cool you're right Camilla. and and the i mean the the whole tone of the scene is completely different in that right she's much more angry in the practice run then she is seductive in the actual audition. And that's, God, how Adam and Camilla in the car, like she's exactly. almost like, God, man, there's so many levels to this thing. It's fucking great. <laughs> I feel like your brain is just going to explode, Brian. Just it will. All over. People who, who subscribe to our Patreon, who, who are getting the full footage <laughs> experience, you will see this soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but people who are listening to our audio version you're just going to hear the the squelching and and the brain bits flying everywhere yeah just orgasm i, I will say brain I, orgasm yes go ahead i spent like nine hours working <laughs> on a time sensitive project for a client of mine and then right at the end of it i was like feeling good and i was like god i got it i got it done and i went and put this movie on and i was humbled to my fucking core (laughs) and i was like god this is incredible like i part of me loved it but then part of me was like i deserve this (laughs) i need to go on my own show and not understand a movie we watched (laughs) 
I would also like to point out when uh, when Diane and Camilla walk in on dead Diane, her rotting corpse, mm-hmm. uh, kind of reminds me of, oh, I don't know, my fantasy heroin addicted girlfriend. You're trying to make this happen, man. I I gotta I have to do some pushback. I love the bit, but <laughs> no, nope. you want that heroin addicted girlfriend merch. I don't think it'll pass. <laughs> I don't know. What 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 do you think, George? You think you think oh, that people would like think... wear t shirts that say my fantasy heroin addicted girlfriend? Mm, I think that as someone who has a lot of podcast shirts, I think that someone would buy it and be like, this is hilarious. I'll buy it and wear it forever. And then they're like, I'm not wearing this outside. But it, it goes on their wall as a secret thing. It's like, I love this thing that I'm humiliated to tell my friends about. That's how I love things too. Or like there's a movie I like, a podcast I like. And I'm like, this is fucking great. But I, I don't think I can tell people this. Yeah, this is just just for me. Yeah. Mom, mom, Nick, look at this shirt you I, and got. I need, Yeah, Nick, you and I need to live in that world where... At this point, our inside jokes are so particular. <laughs> they can't be publicly accessible, <laughs> but that can strengthen the group. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the end joke. There we go. <laughs> you don't have to get it, people. Just have to accept it. That's all that matters. Oh, wouldn't, they'd have to trudge through like 50 archived episodes of our, of our previous podcast from the Black Lagoon to pick <laughs> up on half the things we're talking about. And I don't know, there might be an opportunity cost there between spending 50 <laughs> hours listening to us before we were kind of together. I and mean, then... <laughs> if you if you want to figure out where heroin addicted or fantasy heroin addicted girlfriend uh, comes from, check out our Splinters episode. Yeah, that's yeah, recent enough. You got to put in the work. Gang. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want, if you want those sweet, sweet inside jokes, you got to put in the work. There it is. You got to trudge through the shit before you get to the gold. <laughs> <laughs> our, our be- I will say... I am oh waiting God. for the day. I am counting down the day when we do our um, 28 hours later mashup, which was a wonderful inside joke that came from. You mean 127 oh, hours later? Thank you. 127 hours later. That's really good. If the joke doesn't tell itself, it will. And it when does. you see it on a shirt, it. it is going to be, it's going to be so good. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited that, for that, for that to be a thing. And mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to spoil the, the other thing that I had in mind. That'll oh, stay a secret. All right. Well, uh, to all three of you listening, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned for that. One and one. a half. Nick. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we did have a bit of a hiccup earlier. That's right. Um, so, Nick, do you have anything else to to bring up here? I'm kind of like at my... I feel uh, like I'm still... I don't know. Uh Oh yeah, yeah. So when Diane and uh, Camilla were, you know, getting it on, I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, she drops. Diane drops the "I love you," like I'm in love with you bomb. I'm like, oh, this is that's the Hollywood ideal version, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that. Now that I think about it, yeah, that's the Hollywood ideal version. But when I was yeah. watching it at the time, I'm like, you don't, you just <laughs> don't drop the I love you bomb. I've been there. I know how that works. <laughs> it ends in a fucking cataclysmic <laughs> catastrophe <laughs> and just fucking destroys everything that you worked up for. So 
yeah i i mean it was kind of awkward to hear her say that i'm like oh no you you stupid <laughs> son of a bitch why would you why would you say that and then i kind of i realized that this is what she this is what she wants this was her ideal life you know to become this hollywood actress and to to have a love of her own to the, the one that she fantasizes about the one that she longs for but she can't have mm. and for it to just basically run towards her untimely demise yeah via suicide it's like holy shit yeah think about this the camilla's a bitch this... fuck camilla uh... <laughs> everybody fuck camilla Fuck. that's another shirt right there fuck camilla oh, there's there's also a ton of projection going on too because i mean she comes there and she meets camilla right as she start, started getting into this hollywood dream of hers mm-hmm. and so for her i think camilla is very representative of sort of hollywood in general and uh, and she's projecting sort of her love for her new life and everything directly onto her and uh, i think that's sort of where in this idealized version that's that's why they're so in love so quick so um yeah it's just man it's there's great it's great there's so much going on in every little corner of this movie (laughs) i need to ask once the car accident happens towards the beginning camilla camilla get like walks away she runs in high heels and then she she lays down behind some dumpsters and then she goes somewhere else and then she lays down again and then she goes somewhere else and then she finally lays down once again. What? Why? She was just in a car accident. She was bad enough to give her amnesia. <laughs> walking through Hollywood looking yeah. for a place. Yeah. Isn't there something potent about that? Like <sighs> she, her, her life her old life collided in fire okay, and yeah. death and everyone was gone and dead in her from her previous life she got out of the car untouched standing over la like a fucking mm. god and then starts wandering around all these streets like yeah. i don't know anything about la but i'm sure they were big streets no one lynch and hiding in the bushes looking for like oh is that my inn can i go in there oh somebody just walked out of that door and they're leaving i'm taking their place yep. there's such a cutthroat element to it yep. but then also fear and paranoia yeah and it's just like I didn't even know I was going to say this until I said it. It's just coming out now because the this film how it works, puts man. itself together, right? Think about how, this is something I wanted to bring up earlier. Um, even the brightest, happiest moments of this film are brutally miserable. When you think about like even this newfound love and all these elements, it's like this is a desperate woman who is dreaming up a life that could have been in the event that the person she tried to kill is still alive, but just is now an amnesiac, forgot everything that happened and is ready to have a second chance at love with her again. When she's the star and the other girl is necessary, like she's clinging onto her for support, clinging onto her for um, shelter. Yeah, That's like the best moments of the film. You're like, oh, this is even deeper and darker than I ever thought. What a great thing, man. That's incredible. What's the deep meaning behind the elderly couple who are tiny as fuck crawling out from underneath <laughs> the door because I'm still scratching my head at that scene. Like, so they, they were like mocking her, reminding her of how simply and innocently it all started. Cause they're the two who dropped her off mm-hmm. um, when she won the jitterbug contest. And like, when she talks about how that led into her acting, like 
it's those those two old people are are sort of her past chasing her and making her feel this guilt um until oh. she can't handle it anymore she goes into yeah. the cabinet or the nightstand and pow that's great man because in in the scene when they're like they they seem so malicious in the dream sequence in the car and yeah. there's an element of like like, like a hey, rictus welcome. smile yeah yeah they're like welcome to la look at this you're all set up go be a star we're rooting yeah. for you very then in the car they're driving away like she has no idea what we just got her into and there's this like it's like uh in in her in her dream she's reimagining what their intent was like how dare you send me into this world of hope that was just ready to fail like it was yep. burning from the moment i stepped in that's great yeah i i don't know why they were tiny but that was pretty cool too <laughs> <laughs> Because it started off as just this little small, small doubt. Ooh, and nice. they grew and grew and grew. Yeah. And chased her down until finally she couldn't ignore it anymore. I, I love some of these co- comedic undertones of Afran Johnny Knoxville catching his <laughs> dream wife cheating on him. And then he takes he takes her jewelry and featuring paint- Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> 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 that mullet though, man. That so funny. mullet. Uh, and that ain't no uh, way to treat your wife, Mister. No matter what she's done, don't break her heart, her achy breaky heart. Uh, and then that uh, that person that was looking for him uh, enters the house, and then she she attacks him like a fucking spider monkey, and then he gives her a nice nice helping handful of equality. And just <laughs> decks her right in the face. Yeah, I nice. yeah, that, I I wasn't expecting that, but there you go. Knocks them both out, one punch each. How great is like God? I'm just this is all kind of falling together. That these these diffusive weird figures that are like marching around are like physical embodiments of how uh, of that probably far less physical sense of power yeah. that the elite have to just kind of like pick and choose who goes where. I love the idea that even their like goons or these unstoppable things they just wander right into your hollywood home untouched by this gigantic man who's trying to attack you and like yeah that's cool man he's just in there he's like the leveler he's coming in he's like no this is how things work here and i'm not going to start just marching around la until everything is leveled and on ground and we get to keep what we have whatever that is it's so so fucking good so fucking good (laughs) yes i feel such a sense of success (laughs) (laughs) I, I want to say this is the bold choice for you, man. <laughs> to just be like, yes. I don't, I don't know the show. I'm coming on, and I'm going to say Mulholland Drive. Watch yeah. it, watch uh, it, see, and then face me for an hour and talk to me <laughs> and see how you feel. Uh, see, here's the thing: is I love David Lynch. I don't know if you could tell that, but <laughs> I, I love David Lynch, and he, I This is not my favorite David Lynch movie, hmm. but I think it is his best because I okay. think that it exists sort of in the middle part of the Venn diagram of weird David Lynch stuff that I like and accessible in a way that people are able to sort of get these feelings and really feel like they can invest into the world. Um, You know, stuff like Inland Empire does a lot of weird stuff, but it is, it's hard even for me to get into and be like, all right, this is just a little much David. Um, And, (laughs) you know, I, what would you say is your favorite uh, David Lynch film of all time? Like hands uh, down. Wild at Heart. Wild, Wild at Heart. Heart. Yeah. Uh, Nick Cage is incredible in it. Laura Dern is incredible in it. Uh, Willem Dafoe is in it. Diane Ladd. Ooh. It's just really an incredible, incredible movie. Um, and, you know, 
I think Nick Cage really fits perfectly into sort of like the weirdness of mm. David Lynch. And it's, uh, I mean, it's Nick Cage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and Laura Dern, I mean, Laura, if you hear this, marry me, please. <laughs> yeah, she's actually he, one of our Patreons. So. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, 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 you no, heard man, it. It's done. You got Come it. Come on. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it done one way or yep. another. Right. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think my brain can handle this uh nick do you have any big points george do you have anything you like really want to like talk about about this film Either you know what you? you know what i feel like we should give george the floor yeah, to like just oh, man. unload unload on the audience go for it man uh <laughs> okay uh see this is the thing is like i i'm unsure of how much i really want to reveal of my own personal thoughts on it uh, like in terms of the meaning, just because it's been so rewarding to see you guys sort of come to your own. I will say stuff. before you, if you plan on saying anything further mm-hmm. divulging upon this movie, I, I guess I say spoiler alert for our audience. Is that sure? I mean, it feels like we're well past that. I think, I think we <laughs> spoiler yeah, we... alert. No damage control. We may be going down, but we'll throw it in there. <laughs> um, okay. I so here's one thing that I want to talk about that I, I want to hear what you guys think. Um the hotel or not the club silencio scene. That I could not for the life of me like get anywhere near understanding that. And isn't the last shot that woman up there in the in the seats watching over mm-hmm. the yeah. That was the one thing where it felt like it was so far removed. There are plenty of things that felt far removed from the movie, but that was too much of an extent for me on my first viewing to even have an opinion on. Sure. I don't, it was mesmerizing. And one of the, honestly, one of the more rewarding moments in the movie was getting there and never questioning how I got there, but not knowing what it meant. Mm-hmm. Like there was an element of, he's not just throwing dreamy things at us and say, oh, aren't you confused? I'm good at this. Yeah. It's like a careful orchestration of bending and stretching reality. And then you're just there and it's like, yeah, I stepped right into this, and I. Yeah. Where am I? <laughs> it does feel natural. It feels yeah. like a natural progression. I, I have nothing, Nick. Did you have any inkling about that moment? Not. It a... was a cool moment. <laughs> I, I, I don't just, know. I sat there. and I was like, okay, we're getting um, we're getting some musical pieces here and a little bit of illusions. <laughs> yeah. I'm down for it. So, I'll I'll sort of talk uh, at. A, a little bit of a larger scale, just so I, I, I don't want to walk you exactly down the road, but I'll, sure. I'll just sort of give a little bit in that. Um, I think that when you look at sort of how it's revealing the, the magic of the stage and how you see that everything is recorded and no matter how incredible uh-huh. it looks like this woman is performing, that really it is just movie magic, uh, this, the, this recording and everything. Um, you can sort of see that when Betty, in quotes, because she's still Betty in this moment, um, she, she like has like a little bit of a seizure there. Yeah, what on earth? Was that? <laughs> and I think to me that sort of looks like maybe she is starting to see behind right. the curtain a little bit of the Hollywood dream. Right. And this is sort of her understanding that it is, it's not the way it looks in the movies, that there is sort of this facade that is presented to people, Hmm. but behind it is something that maybe you don't want to explore. Right. And 
I think in that moment, that is when we start to see the dream unravel. And that's when she stops becoming, and that's when she stops being Betty. Yeah. Okay. And in, in the of, timeline, you're right. In the timeline that figuring out where that fits, I think that definitely, that's cool. I, I forgot about the tape recorder bit too. Wasn't he saying everything? This is a recording. Right. No, no high bondo. Yeah. Man. And when she, when that lady fell over, presumably dead, didn't she keep like the singing kept going? Right. Too? Cause it was all, it was all a recording. Um, also, this is something that you wouldn't get without having explored a lot of Lynch's other work, but he loves using blue to like represent secrecy and stuff. Mm. And so that's also the moment when they find the blue box that the oh, key okay. goes to. And it was a different key, wasn't it? Weren't there two different blue keys? Right. There, so there's the real key <laughs> and then there's the fantastical looking one that's like uh. kind of like a triangle. And that is the one in the dream. It's like even the key exists on two separate levels. That's great. Um, yeah. And th- th- there's such a, I feel like you could watch this movie and like, there's such like an occult element of just like hiding and like for the life of you guarding knowledge, yeah. not because it shouldn't be dispersed, but because you're powerful if you're the one who's locking the door. Yeah. And there's such an element of like, I can throw you breadcrumbs and that is like the power that's driving you through this whole movie. And these breadcrumbs are disguised as something entirely else. And then at the end of it, you realize you collected all this. Right. Like, I got a whole bread cool, here. Yeah. <laughs> got a whole loaf and it's actually a cake. It's like <laughs> by the end of it, you're just doing this 360. Man, that, that's cool. I, I, I'm, my mind is ready to run through this film again and oh, yeah. just let everything kind of fall in place. Listen, I'll, I'll say that I think that if you do feel like you got a lot out of this, not just you guys, but also people out there in the world, um, definitely I recommend checking out some of his other work. You right. know, they, it sort of spans the the uh, the range between stuff that is pretty straightforward in terms of like the elephant man which is just the story of this guy who was disfigured in the 30s and uh, you know his his sort of fighting for respect in society um all the way to some of his like shorts and inland empire and stuff but Hmm. within that range there really is i think something for everyone um I think that this is a, is a great place for people to start. If, uh, if they want to check out lost highway, that's another one that sort of skews more directly horror. Uh, Twin peaks is my background right now. So you can check out twin peaks. I mean, there's just so much great work of his and he's so, he's so intent on his own artistic expressions and having sort of final say that um, even when you don't, necessarily love it you i feel like you at least respect it because it is very much a david lynch production and and it it, ne- it never feels like it's a corporately made piece of whatever made meant to make money it's it's always something that he is trying to communicate and i think that that makes his work really special so i, I think that people should definitely check it out man i love that that's a good place to close up this section too i do want to say like um watching this film and you're talking about art it felt like if there's an artist named Rene Magritte, he's like a surrealist. I love it. Dude, if he made a movie, this is it. Yeah. There's such Hell a yeah. deep, like Jungian. Ceci n'est pas un film. Dude, yeah. It's, I was just thinking about like, um, there is an element of looking at something inauthentic and realizing that that is actually describing the most authentic thing about the painting. Sure. It's exactly. just a beautiful little movement. And to, to pull that off in 
metaphorically three dimensions on film over time. Like what a feat. That's just, I I totally respect it. And I enjoyed the movie in the meantime. And those are two (laughs) things that don't always go together. There are plenty of films and things of art that I'm like, "Ah, I'm into it. That's really cool, but I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) But this was like, man, it was actually a good time. Right. Working through it too. And that's such a new level. I think that's really cool. Awesome. Um, Nick, do you have any closing remarks for this section or are you ready to eulogize this film? I, you guys covered basically everything. All I have to say is I, this movie over exceeded my expectations uh, for sure. I actually, I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it until I gave it a shot. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So I guess it's time to section on over to the eulogy. The eulogy. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. May God be with this young man's soul. May be rod lane, rest in peace. All right. <clears throat> 2001's Holland Drive. What a fucking roller coaster, am I right? Like Jesus Christ, uh, David Lynch, what, whatever you, whatever you did there, you, you, it was a, it, it was fucking amazing. Uh, I, I don't even know where to where to go with this eulogy. I'm well, that makes it representative of this entire episode. I think <laughs> I think that's the most authentic way to do it. It's just like what. <laughs> I, I, you just look at it and it was already dead. Yeah. I <laughs> Oh, I like that. I uh Yeah. It's time to bury it. So here and here's the question. What am I going to bury? How? With How with are we going to bury thing, it? We we could burn the thing, right? We could shoot alien into space after toasting it in the thruster, right? We <laughs> like we cut uh Terrifier in half with Ooh. David Howard Thornton because it just made sense. This I propose, Nick. I I am open to your opinion too. I propose that we let a system of diffusive Foucaultian power make the movie off itself by systematically crushing its dreams until it can do nothing but lay in bed and wonder what life could have been like if it made it. What do you think? This is the movie. (laughs) This is the movie. Yeah? Oh, we are in the movie. This is the movie. Oh my God. Oh. (laughs) This is the movie. Can we let the the nondescript just being of Hollywood eat itself alive and rather than actionably shoot this film, burn it. This is getting it, too fucking it, deep. Just, let it just consume itself because of the environment that it has introduced itself to on the idea that it... <laughs> let me just say, <laughs> let, me, let me just say, Brian, you're going balls deep and I love it and not yeah. in a homosexual way. I not, to, not to say that there's anything, <laughs> not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but just, just a brotherly, lovely way. Yeah. So, I guess, yeah. Let's <laughs> let's do it. Let's uh, repeat let's what of... I said, Nick. What? How are we doing it? <laughs> do it. I dare you. <laughs> I don't even understand it. <laughs> Things we're gonna. Things. Yes. Uh, I was kind of thinking like, oh, we um, we make it jealous and make it kill itself that was my first draft <laughs> <laughs> well whatever the fuck we're doing i don't know i'm just i'm just here for the ride <laughs> is it doing or is it what what passively will be done to it 
Wow. That's why we're going to fuck. Let's just do it. All right. I'm burying <laughs> I'm... it with the blue box. What does that even mean? The blue box in the film. I don't want to see it again. Put it in, <laughs> put it in the fucking hole and get rid it, of it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a deep meaning of sexual disease. It's, it's the blue why? box, the, the, the blue Nailed box, it. the blue box is a blue waffle. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lynch was ahead of the game. That's what it is. It was ahead of his time too. Uh, I um, hmm. I'm going to bury it with a cheating whore who likes to Jeez. fuck her way to the top. Yikes! And how about the shitty guys in the movie? <laughs> Plenty of them. Uh, hmm. There's so many of them. A cowboy's hat. Yeah. <laughs> I fair. More than fair. Um, great. <laughs> George, is there one element or idea or anything from this movie that stands out that you would bury it with, understanding that that doesn't make sense? Um, I guess I would bury it with um one tiny blue key. Yes, very fair. Which is also a a penis why? that is also sure. infected yes why because because every box needs a key brian nick if you were if this were the 60s and we were like in the height of that like like you'd uh, be canceled uh, Sexual no man i'm telling you if we were in that that place where everybody was a genius if they had a dream and we we're in like that that psycho like that freudian thing you would have been a millionaire <laughs> Your your just creativity that you're just like every show, your the pure thought content of Nick is just I like you know. would have made so much money. You would have had like psycho and an analyst like lining up out of your door, giving you rewards and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why my brain is wired the way that it is, but for some reason my brain always goes to something sexual. It's like I'm a fucking first grader, just like ha 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 ha. Yeah, farts. I love it. Just toilet humor out the ass, literally. Just literally. Yeah. Diarrhea, just sexual things. It's 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 funny to me. It's like sex is funny to me. Sure. It's just like I, I can't tell you how many times I've been like Huh, I'm inside somebody right now. How weird is that? I don't even have to stab him with a knife. I just, I'm <laughs> literally. I thought we were talking about conceptual, like the, uh, all right, this is oh. great. Nick, I need you. This show, the energy you bring you need to me? it. I you can't need even me. explain it. Without me, the show would be, no, that's going too far. That's like so egotistical of me to say, like, you need me for the show. Like the show would be nothing without me. I think that you could do perfectly fine without me. A show and this I show quit. is driven on banter. Oh, oh boy. Uh oh. Nick, come back. Uh oh. He's gone. No. Naomi Watts yeah. is now the co-host. Wow. Oh. You could do worse. Yeah, yeah not bad. <laughs> we we need, we are counterbalances to one another. We're we're both set on this little fulcrum. And if, if I drop too low, you bring me back. And if you drop I too low, like, I bring you back. That's how it works. I feel <laughs> like you're the Dr. Loomis to my Michael Myers. You don't know what evil is. <laughs> <laughs> I shot him six times, even though I kind of <laughs> shot him seven. Get away from that, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lonnie. Get your ass oh, away. that's it, Lonnie. Yeah, get your ass away from there. 
Oh, Donny P. You keep it going. This you don't know what encyclopedia. You, I promise you. You don't know what death <laughs> is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I love Donald Pleasance. Shout I out do to too. Him. Shout out <laughs> press stuffs in the chat for him, even though that's like right. a long time ago. But still, love him. Love him. Just I can't imagine Nick. Halloween without a Donald Pleasance. Definitely not. And that 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 goes to say, um, like in 2018 when they did that like evil loomis uh like Mm -hmm. twist side plot to to get laurie's granddaughter to the house and how yeah yeah, i thought that that whole thing didn't need to be in there like even though it it was just there with no payoff i guess the payoff would be like the, the head stomp which I really love, and some people see it as like <laughs> over the top. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. His head exploded like a watermelon. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just Donald Pleasance, man. Just shot Big me, ups. shot me six times in the heart. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's 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 really fun. It's. Voices? Before I get voices, uh, it's kind of funny how Michael Myers got shot six times and he didn't even rap about it. Wow, rookie mistake. Honestly, you know? he should have. Hmm. I every time a joke is made on this show, I now just imagine in my head that David Howard Thornton is somewhere making a better joke because he just fucking mopped the floor with us for an hour when we were doing <laughs> our show. Everything we said, he found like a a, a million like. A million better ways. To I do tried. It. I like, he's Man, a pro. I, this he's guy's a pro. A pro. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I tried to like. It, it was like we're both getting beat up, and I'm the one that's like trying to defend us from this mother, <laughs> this clown that's beating the shit out of us. And I'm like, no, you can't. You can't take us alive. And uh, I was just like, we're just, just we're falling feeble, to Stockholm syndrome, just enjoying it. <laughs> a feeble attempt at defending the both of us. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite hours ever. I I definitely enjoyed that that episode, for sure. And I enjoyed this episode, too. Uh, Yeah, definitely, man. Oh, God. I think, Brian, I'm I'm hearing something. Do you hear that? I don't. It's just you. But let's go. (laughs) I I think I'm getting voices. Could it be my schizophrenia? (laughs) I don't know. Voices. Well, sometimes... That is better. Okay. So beautiful. Let me just pull pull up the ye old dandy phone because that's apparently where I'm getting my voices from. God damn it! Sorry. Okay. This one is from Bruntmeister Two K. He published this in. January 30th, 26, or 20, wow, 2006, not 2016. Jesus Christ. That's so far away. Uh, he gave it a one star and it's titled Disappointing. It seemed to me that the direct, actually, should I do a voice? Should, should I do Mike Tyson? Should I do a snobby? Always Mike Tyson. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why. Third Mike Tyson. So, you could. Uh, it's too bad you don't, don't know. David Lynch has a very distinctive voice. It's too bad. Oh, you I can't saw an do. interview with the guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I saw like an interview or two oh, with yeah? him, but I can't 
I don't remember his voice off the top. I thought the director was very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It seemed to me that the director or writer, whoever is just trying to be clever, all they want is for everybody to watch and not have a clue. Then what? We're supposed to applaud his genius when we find out what was going on. I bet Mr. Lynch is one of them people that always thinks they're better and smarter and know more than you. And most of the people that like this film will be like that as well because they think they are so smart for understanding it. I've seen it and read theories and I think it's all a load of rubbish. It's it's never clear at any point in the film what is go actually going on. And that to me is not a good film. How can it be a good film if you have to make up half the story yourself to figure out what's going on? And how is it the top 250, I can only assume these are those arrogant people that think they are so brilliant and that because they got the film, then it is brilliant. Well, in fact, Mr. Lynch, could just as well take any random series of events and call it a film i jesus christ what the fuck <laughs> like they didn't I, like I, it i feel like that was past me like when i was i don't know like 17 somewhere around that age where if i were to see this film i would have been like oh this is like one of those you know just very self-absorbed egotistical assholes that decided to make a film and it's very uh what's the word it starts with a p pretentious pretentious thank you god i don't know why i was stumping on that word but whatever yeah very pretentious but now that i think about it films overall are a work of art and art in itself is subjective it is for the audience members to depict what is going on and what is what what means what to them and i kind of agree with david lynch not just spilling the beans because yeah it would ruin the fucking immersion it would ruin everything about the movie and for this person to just hammer in the fact that he just didn't get it and for I feel like he's frustrated at the fact that everybody else got it and he didn't. Mm -hmm. So I feel sad for this person, for past Nick, for Neanderthal <laughs> Nick, who, who only likes 80 slasher films. And I am applauding the, the people that actually enjoy this film for what it is to understand that this is a work of art and you got to put a little, just a little bit of work to understand what's going on. So. Yeah, def definitely. And, and how, how non-ego related understanding a movie is. It's kind of like right. not being allowed to like 2001 because it's too heady. I will right. watch that movie to the end of the earth. You know, I just, it doesn't matter how much sense it makes. It's an incredible ride. And the more you watch it, you just get stuff out of it, man. Mm -hmm. I love it. You know, and it's good. It gives it, you an emotional a... response, whether you understand it mentally, uh, regardless. And right. I think that this person is not, it doesn't seem like they're willing to engage with it on that level. Hmm. Yeah, I also, think that's fair. I, another point is um, actually completely beyond the point. It's kind of hard well, for me well, now. Quick, to, 
well, we are on the point then. I just want to really quickly say, watching these films and things is very personal. And it, it, I think it needs to end there. Like there, there's a point where what you identify with is you and people that makes people so ad, uh, aggressive. Like if you don't mm -hmm. like a movie, you're saying you don't like me. Right. And that's such a crime and that, is, that should not happen because thinking about things and having fun with things or just not liking things is all okay. Right. And you can just be like, yeah, I, liked, I like this that's, film or I didn't like the film. It I totally agree. Relegate people to different echelons of film. Like to watch a movie, not get it. And then feel like victimized by people who did get it immediately. And then to lash out on IMDb doesn't just tell me that this guy might not be looking at it the right way. It tells me that a bunch of people are unfairly being arogant about enjoying Mahola Drive. Right. So I we feel like those people, make it personal. Love it. <laughs> I, I right. feel like those people have very low self-esteem and they just need, they just need to get a hobby. Really? Sure. Hey, I, I'm, my whole thing is don't, you know, don't make the things you like part of you, you know, right. they can be things that you like and you can certainly, you know, dive into the fandom and whatnot but to feel so personally attacked when someone is not even necessarily not liking it but just criticizing it in any mm -hmm. way where like there's plenty of stuff that i like that is uh merits mm -hmm. criticism uh the blues brothers is my favorite movie of all time oh is that <laughs> john landis is this unimpeachable god absolutely not he's frankly kind of a scumbag <laughs> and um that doesn't that doesn't mean that i can't still enjoy the movie or that when people mention john landis uh being a, a scumbag that doesn't diminish the movie in my perspective because i understand that you know this is not reflective of me when they're when they're talking about something that someone else did or or a problematic aspect of a, right. of a movie or or whatever um you know it's just you gotta be willing to let some things go you know not everything needs to be so personal <laughs> right <laughs> you hear it here pete you heard it here people we're on a mission from god yeah, hell yeah we are. <laughs> actually what's kind of funny that you brought up the blues brothers um over here in kentucky we have a restaurant i forget what it's called but um i'm not even sure if it's still open or building still there but they have an actual like statues of the blues brothers in the restaurant wow. wonderful so hmm. fucking awesome yeah um, just goes to show how much those people love the blues brothers so yeah. <laughs> i so uh i was gonna get to a point and you cut me off and now my brain is is fucking struggling to remember what it was um Damn you, Brian. Damn you, Michael. <laughs> um, while you think, I will read a quote from David Lynch. Please do. And he says, I always say my greatest inspiration is the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I would imagine the sounds of factories and factory life and factory people. And it just started a Philadelphia dream and a world that I fell in love with. And I think that's nice. Thank you, David. We love I you too. I do like that. My parents are up in Philadelphia right now. I oh, visited yeah. it once. I liked it. I loved great it. city. Took great my dog city. for a walk by a wonderful, beautiful art museum. Oh, hell yeah. Got a great cup of coffee from a coffee shop that wasn't Starbucks. And I was like, this wow. is different for me from downtown Tampa. Probably <laughs> Saxby's. Ooh, I wonder. <laughs> I, Nick, you look like you've seen the day. Got Are you it. okay? <laughs> okay, I got, good. 
Speaking of the, just enough time. Oh, no. Speaking of the dead, you know, it's actually kind of hard for me to watch a certain film because of the times that we're going through right now. You know, um, yeah, uh, twenty eight days later is just it's it's very it's very hard to to sit through because oh Nick when I, I no one gets your joke, <laughs> dude. This is from thirty episodes ago. <laughs> when whenever. Whenever I sit down and watch that movie, I, I grit my teeth because when I go outside, right. I, I see people uh-huh. mauling no, other people. They don't, yep. All it's right. horrible. They don't get it. They don't get it. But the fact that you enjoy this bit that only we understand is the idea of knowledge is power, man. There you go. Now, yeah, you now you have it, one up over on me. Yeah, we get it. And that means that makes other people hate us because they think we're being arrogant. Is that fair? No, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, was that your whole point? Or <laughs> yeah, it, it took <laughs> me. It took me forever to just like sit there and think. I'm glad we got uh, to it. Yeah, I'm glad I am got too. To it. Because I would have been Here's... pissed off if I if I went back to edit this episode. I'm just like, I remember what I need to say, but I can't wow. say it anymore because it's done. I hate when that happens. Yeah, that's okay. That just that just means I'll force you guys to come back on here, and uh, <laughs> we'll just do. Hey, we'll, we'll just have to rewatch the movie, and now <laughs> we'll all come to it with a second <laughs> a second watch. This is one of the few films where I'm like, we could cover this again next week and have a whole other conversation. <laughs> like I've never stay tuned, people. Before. Stay stay <laughs> tuned. Mulholland Drive Part Two. Part two. Electric <laughs> Mulholland Deloo. Oh boy, Nick's favorite joke. <laughs> oh my God, I was gonna say. <laughs> Gonna yeah, say you, that. you say it every episode god damn, it. god damn it that's amazing okay um all right well we have one more my, my i've got to go to my guy ebert here uh my villain on my podcast oh you're really see, he hates he hates horror movies i know it that, that's kind of been the thing that, that there are little moments where he sympathizes and gets it and it's my favorite thing Rare. to bring that into the show and be like hey, you like this one that's great <laughs> So here's what he says about Mulholland. This is a heavily abridged version of the review. Okay. I will also preface review. this by saying that he famously hates David Lynch. So, Oh, yes. <laughs> Ebert says, you might be surprised here. Um, uh, Mulholland Drive, it tells a story of, well, there's no way to really finish that sentence. There are two characters named Betty and Rita, who the movie follows through a mysterious plot loop. But by the end of the film, we aren't even sure they're different characters. And Rita, an amnesiac who lifted the name from a Gilda poster, wonders if she's really Diane... Selwyn, a name from a waitress's name tag. The movie is hypnotic. We're drawn along as if one thing leads to another, but nothing really leads anywhere. And that's even before the characters start to fracture and recombine like flesh caught in a kaleidoscope. Maholan Drive isn't like Memento, where if you watch it closely enough, you can hope to explain the mystery. There is no explanation. There may even be no mystery. This is a movie to surrender yourself to. It requires logic. See, uh, oh, it requires logic to see it. Mulholland Drive works directly on the emotion like music. Individual scenes play well by themselves as they do in dreams, but they don't connect in a way that makes sense. Again, like dreams. The way you know the movie is over is that it ends. And then you tell a friend, I saw the weirdest movie last night, just like you tell them you had the weirdest dream. Hold hold for the review. Four out of four stars. What? Yeah, he never does four out of four stars. He said it doesn't mean anything. I loved it. That's wild. What? 
he also was like the scenes don't even work cohesively yeah, together right <laughs> that I, blows my mind what I, a what a twist cocaine is one hell of a drug yeah <laughs> um wow yeah i memento you said memento and i fucking love that movie that movie is yeah. so fucking good do you think that's yeah, worth home is that i haven't i haven't seen it in a long time and i'm pretty sure it was during a drug trip or something i don't know alleged drug trip <laughs> um ooh, uh spicy 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 uh drama within the podcast from the black lagoon um nick go nicholas alexander would be worth covering N- nicholas alexander hacks goes on a drug bender and destroys uh podcast um oh boy they go bankrupt uh yeah right. um I don't know. Would you consider that horror? No, the, I wouldn't, but I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe for a special occasion, one day, yeah. one day we'll, we'll be like, fuck it. We're covering Memento because it, it's a good, yeah. it's a good fucking movie. I think that just, thriller is a subgenre of horror. Yeah. I, I think there, it's are, like there the, are universal the bridge, elements of a lot of films. Yeah. That the bridge can, between action and horror is a thriller. No Country for Old Men, another I was one. I say that too. We really want to cover No Country for Old Men on here. There you go. Because there, uh, there's such a universality to what makes it riveting. That right. It's like there's a totally a, a viable argument for Colin Absolutely. Hey, you could you yeah. could stretch pretty much anything. I had right. someone come on my show and tell everyone that uh, um, Doctor Strange Love is the best horror movie cool. of all time. Nice. So. <laughs> we will only do. No country for old men if we get a bunch of people clamoring for it. You guys want us to cover No Country for Old Men? At us. Just Sound fucking off. just come <laughs> at us and be very persistent. Maybe Let's we will. People. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Um so I was trying to think. I really have to pee. So what I'm gonna do, you two. Is daddy is going to go to the bathroom. Okay. Get another bottle of water. Maybe you want, some... I was really about to wrap the episode up. Do you want to do that real quick before we? No, I need you to add like a little bit of conversation um, for our Patreon. Perfect. All so right. that, so for the, the, the audio listeners right now. Um, get Ben. Fuck you! Uh, Sign up for the Patreon. Two ninety nine. It's just chump change. Just throw it, throw it in our face. Just be like, it's it's raining, uh, uh, raining and hailing. I guess Mm -hmm. up in this up in this house. Um, Get to the bathroom. (laughs) You're about to explode. (laughs) Okay. Naomi Watts. Uh, Yep. (laughs) New co-host. Do you do you want to? Uh, I, I'm not gonna listen to Nick. Do you want to um, go ahead and uh, just plug the life out of everything you have going on so we can uh, find you? Uh, sure. So um, I also have a Patreon, but uh, people should first go check out just the show, uh, the best little horror house in Philly. Um, we're on all major podcast platforms and also littlehorrorphl.com. If you decide like you don't want to listen to it on a normal podcast app for some reason. <laughs> um, and uh, we have so much fun movies that uh, 
that we talk about on there. And if you enjoyed this conversation, why not check out the episode about Lost Highway, which is another David Lynch film that I really, really enjoyed. Um, And uh, so that, I mean, that would be a great place to start. And you can find me on Twitter at Little Horror PHL. I mean, that's really just the username everywhere. So <laughs> find me on everything using that. And, and yeah, so basically circling back to the Patreon, here's the time loop aspect of this episode. <laughs> um, if, if you decide that you are loving the show after listening to a few, there are ad-free and early access to episodes and also bonus episodes where we do stuff like uh, choose your own adventure books, hmm. um, movie fights, uh, style things and uh, we're going to be doing some um, some episodes where I get to choose what movie we talk about instead of the guest so uh, look forward to ponderous Soviet cinema <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> very cool I love it man uh, yeah d- definitely check it out um, I'll, I'll see if Nick can get a link to your show in the description too that might Wonderful. be cool but um, man it, it has been I, I can't sign off yet because I need to have Nick on but sure. um you've got a great show. It's really cool. Thank you. Nick sent it my way when he got in touch with you and and it was really great. There he is. All right. I mean, that's awesome to hear. I I just love being able to make a place where people feel comfortable liking the things that they like. And uh, I think that it's really great because even if it's not a movie that you're familiar with, I think that people can still come to them with an open mind because if you if someone likes the movie enough to pick it as their best horror movie ever made, like there's gotta be something to it. I feel like if you come to any of these movies with an open mind, you'll find something to like. So, you know, even if it's uh, just a list of movies that you maybe want to check out, you could go through uh, the episode list and and start finding some new favorites. I would definitely love love to, I would definitely love to join you for that. If, if you, if you, yeah, we'll get you guys on for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Nick, uh, I, I had him go ahead and do his plugs to, to make the best use of the time. So he is plugged and ready. We are going to try to uh, get everybody who comes across the show to listen to his show. Fellow okay, podcasters okay. here. So Nick, do you have any big closing remarks? Do you feel like you have um, bent so, all your anxiety from watching this movie? <laughs> so we have off-brand Johnny Knoxville. Again, here we go. <laughs> and we have... Starting at the beginning. <laughs> we have uh live action twinkie cowboy is this an inventory list of the what do you <laughs> i don't know if this is an inventory list then yes well, you know what this is why people listen thank you your <laughs> your boundless creativity is exactly what i need thank you for listening to the show <laughs> We had a great time, George. It has been an absolute blast having you on. Thank oh, you for my pleasure. Um, making this film fun for us, so we didn't just have to be scared and, and huddled <laughs> and not know what happened. Um, really, it was my also, pleasure. I had a blast. And it's also my pleasure to pleasure you. Mm. Thanks, See, Nick. You, you you like to make people feel comfortable. I like to make people feel uncomfortable. There we go. Un- There's a duality there. Mm, interesting. Thank you. Uh, Nick, you are great at our outros. Do you want to run through that? Nothing to say at all. (laughs) Hey, who could argue with that? Come on. (laughs) I was just, I was waiting for you to say something. You just like, not a lot, like not even going to acknowledge it. I respect that. Um, Did did we plug our, our stuff? Because I'm waiting on you, man. You, You do that. 
oh, okay. You put all the fucking weight on my shoulders. I, I can't even get a time to like relax or anything like that. Okay. So anyways, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Also, we have a Twitch Twitch channel uh, all under the Black Lagoon Network. And uh, hmm. if you really enjoyed the episode, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would completely help us out 100%. And uh, we would really appreciate it. Other than that, I can't really think of anything else that we need to plug besides my ass. Um, Merch. Merch. Oh, yes. So for those of you, for for those of you, uh, thank you for bringing up merch. Um, For those of you who don't know, we have a Patreon. If you want our full uncut, unedited video version of the episode, you can get that via Patreon for just the measly price of $2.99. We are cheap whores on this podcast and anything helps and we have plans we have plans for the future for gifts and stuff so by all means stay tuned for that yeah uh thank all of you for listening we dearly appreciate it george absolute blast having you on go check out his podcast please thank you we'll see you in the next episode all right (laughs) nick you want to stop the recording there and then